the people that judge us are also the people auditioning every year. Yes. <laughs> true story. <laughs> it's very true. You'll hear them talking bad, and then you'll hear that they're trying out for the show. I'm like, what in the world? Make up your mind. Welcome to the National Podcast of Texas. I'm Andy Langer. This week on the show, Brandy Redmond and Stephanie Holman from The Real Housewives of Dallas. Both are original cast members of The Bravo Show, which just aired the final episode of its fourth season earlier this month. And both were in Austin and Houston last week for live theater shows built around their popular podcast, Weekly Dose of BS. The BS stands for Brandy and Stephanie. Although the Bravo Liberty's super close real life friendship has been celebrated by fans and both have earned reputations as the least dramatic members of the cast, the season that just wrapped apparently left nobody spared. Earlier this month, Redmond checked into a wellness center after apologizing for a racially insensitive video that had resurfaced, a 2017 clip where she uses a mock Asian accent while addressing what she describes as her squinty eyes. The video resurfaced after Redmond criticized another castmate for describing another castmate as a, quote, chirpy Mexican. After leaving the wellness center, Redmond posted an 11-minute video uploaded on Instagram, apologizing again for the video and telling viewers that before getting help, she'd felt bullied and didn't feel like living anymore. That's all set up for an interview that's not really much about any of that at all, although we do talk about it in the larger sense of what it means to be a reality TV star in 2020, especially on a show that's decidedly all about drama. We talk about how much is real, what the fans want, what they seem to take away, and whether reality TV can really be therapeutic for the cast or the viewer. Also, we talk about Dallas and Dallas society circles and what they make of the Real Housewives. We've got that answer and a little politics too. This is Brandy Redmond and Stephanie Holman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess let's start here. <laughs> Why would anyone put themselves through this? Oh, oh. my goodness. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, thank you for having us. Are you saying that you're going to torture us or something? <laughs> oh, like with the, no, like doing I, a live show. Oh, I don't mean the podcast. Oh, 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 oh being on Real Housewives. Like, yes. Real Housewives. Oh, my goodness. I thought you um, meant I, oh, oh, I Now like, I know oh, you it, thought I meant this show. Yes. No. Um, you know, I feel like when we both uh, got on Real Housewives, we, we really didn't know what we were signing up for. We had no idea it was a Real Housewives until months after we filmed everything. Um, but I, we were both young moms um, with small children, and I think you kind of lose your identity sometimes whenever your husband works and you're just home with babies all day. So I think in the beginning it was something for us to do together and for ourselves. And um, and it's kind of – it's definitely difficult at times, but I would say the blessings outweigh the burdens. Um there are a lot of really amazing memories and things you get to do that you would never do outside of the show. And I think looking back, I would have regretted not going for it. And I, I think, you know, at the end of my life one day, I think I'll be happy I did it because it's, it changes you. It makes you grow. So you yeah. don't have regrets about saying yes originally? No, not no. at all. Uh -uh. I mean, yeah, like she said, it's been, I mean, 
you put yourself out there and you become very vulnerable. And I think that you're really learning not only to be true to yourself, but it's also a learning experience. And the blessings really do outweigh. I met my grandfather for the very first time. Um, we have our beautiful baby boy through this journey. And um, so and it's it's really awesome because we also teach life lessons and it's rewarding and therapeutic when we hear from you know the people that that support us that you know that they got through things and it was you know they were able to watch our journey and it helped them kind of not feel so alone because I think you know whenever you're going through a hard time you think you're the only person that identifies with what you're going through but I will say the hard times that you put out there and the most difficult times of your life are the times where I think the audience really gets to know you and I think that there's a connection um, that you have that I didn't realize you could have until a few years ago whenever I finally let my guard down and just was like, I'm going to be myself and see what happens. I guess the difference, though, is these hard times yes, they're all, are televised. I mean, yeah, right. they're televised. They I mean, are. People go through all kinds <laughs> of yes, things. Yes, yes. But usually people keep them very quiet. Right. Um, but there's a freedom in releasing the shame associated with the hard times. And I think whenever you are able to release the shame and just be truly who you are and let what's happening to you really organically come out, I think that it's very healing and therapeutic. And then also I feel like the audience member who's maybe dealing with those and doesn't want to tell anybody can relate to you. And um, and it's a really beautiful thing at the end of the day. Yeah, especially with, you know, social media these days. Everybody puts up this facade that their life is perfect. And I think that we kind of break that barrier a little bit. And we're like, hey, we are who we are. <laughs> you have an entire podcast. I don't know if you'd call it a podcast. There's 11 minutes recently. It. it is uh-huh. an episode where you talk about coming out of this wellness center. Right. You spend a lot of it crying, a mm-hmm. lot of it talking about depression, about feeling so vulnerable that you wondered whether life was worth living. That's that's a lot. You know, um, essentially that you know, our podcast is on a weekly basis and normally it's, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And normally we talk about just the ups and downs of our lives and it's it's silly and fun. And it's kind of one of those things that people love to, you know, they just, it's just, it, we're crazy, you know, and we're fun. And, um, but yes, I took some time out for myself and, um, you know, I use a lot of things in my life to laugh and um, I did have a little bit of insecurities when it came to you know really and truly what people thought about me and I think that it was okay to admit that and um, and yeah and I felt it was important to be open and honest because I I know that people were questioning you know where I was because I took some time away and um, and yeah so that that short little clip if you will was just me being really open and honest and vulnerable and telling our listeners kind of what I was going through. I mean, if I'm going to share the good, the laughter, the fun, then I also need to share the the bad and the ugly. Ostensibly, what sent you there Mm -hmm. was an argument where, and I guess it's a season-long argument, where everyone's calling everyone else racist. Mm There is probably some expectation that at this point you have, quote, thick enough skin to deal with this and that's clearly not the case and I think people build up these expectations of oh they're on a reality show this is all play fighting and they can take it right well to you know putting yourself out there and having people look at you and judge you I think 
um, you know, it, it, you do have to have thick skin. But at the same time, when you are being attacked because you know in your heart that's not who you are and you know that um, I don't want to get too deep into it because there's a lot where that was. And um, But I've felt life is, is about learning and growing and life is also about you know being kind and compassionate and it's also you know reflecting on yourself like you know we really should treat others as if we want to be treated and I think that you know anybody can sit behind a keyboard and say whatever they want but to your face it's a different story and um, I like to think of myself as a little bit of like a comedian and I do impersonations and I did one that was insensitive um, years ago that was brought and surfaced into the public eye and um, I um, I did not intend for it to do that. I, um, uh, but I, it's one of those things I just don't want it to to keep going, you know. And I don't want people to think that that's who I am. But it's definitely something that, you know, I, I've learned from. Um, but it's got to be tricky right now in the culture we're in, mm-hmm. where there's cancel culture, where video surfaces or a tweet is misconstrued or Mm -hmm. you're fighting on a televised reality show does it sometimes feel like you're a few keyboard clicks away from being canceled canceled in the sense of not the television show but in the cultural sense you know um i am probably i can say for myself um i learned after a few seasons, because the first few seasons, I think that you want people to like you and understand you. So in the first few seasons, I would really only respond to the negative because I would want to change their mind. And then I sat there one day and I was like, why am I shining light on the people who are surrounding me with darkness instead of appreciating and talking to those who are kind and loving and supportive? So I kind of, for me, I will say, I only focus on that. So if somebody has something to say and and it's something that's constructive, I will usually respond. But I try not to get into the negativity because you have people that would push you and push you and push you and just want a reaction. Um, And I think that it's easy to give a reaction if you are focused on the negative, which I, I used to be because I wanted to, I don't know, almost like prove, like change people's mind about me if they, and, um, and I think for me, focusing on the light and the positive and the people that are supportive and kind, people just want to be seen in the world. I truly believe that. And I think if you don't give the negativity light, then, and you focus on the people who are supportive, kind, and amazing, you don't really set yourself up for failure because you are putting out there what you want to receive. And I think when people aren't seen and you don't give the ne- negativity light, it kind of shuts it down. I've really learned that. Yeah, you know, and for me, being in therapy, the one thing, um, you know, the doctors that I worked with, it, it was difficult because what I thought that, you know, my insecurity was that I had always used laughter and humor to to feel liked and loved. And something that I did was used against me and that wall broke. And, you know, when that wall broke I lost I felt like I was losing everything I was losing who I am and and then I realized in therapy that you know I'd never looked in a mirror and actually said I love you to myself and at first I laughed and I thought this is ridiculous but then it was so true 
you know, we have to love ourselves and have enough respect for ourselves and then everything else just falls into place. And now, I mean, the hate is still there, but I can honestly just say, you know what? I know who I am. I love myself and uh, it's it's their problem. You know, they can either choose to get to know me, the real me, or they can just, you know, have that hate and live with that hate, you know, and it's, I mean, it's definitely something that I've learned and I'm growing from and I'm excited to share that. And one thing is that I am a grown woman who went through this and I cannot imagine being a child and, you know, or a teenager and having you know, just going through something like this and then, you know, them not having or being able to admit that they need help. And so I, that's why I think it's very important that, you know, and a lesson to be learned. You've been for a long time mm-hmm. talking about depression. Yes. Talking about mental health uh-huh. issues. Yes. Is this a healthy outlet for people with mental health issues? Um, you know, I, I take very good care of myself. I've, I've dealt with depression since I was a child. Um, I will say, and I may be the only housewife to ever say this, um, and I've told my producers this, um, I feel like this show made me, it changed me for the better. I feel like I know who I am. I stand in my convictions. I think before I was so focused on pleasing people and proving to people that I was good enough and that I mattered. And I think whenever you let your walls down, for me, whenever I was honest about my truth, all the shame that I've had for my entire life was gone. And that was such a powerful thing. And it was I've never felt more free to be myself. And whenever I do get criticism now, I have enough self-love and self-worth where I know that, you know what, that's their opinion. But if I know who I am and God knows who I am and my family knows who I am, that's all that really matters. Because at the end of the day and after... This show is over. People forget about you. I mean, it's you're you're here one day and the next day they're like Stephanie who and I I realize that. So I think if you if you hold true, like for me, it's a job and then I have my life and I separate the two because I think when they muddy and you put them together and the show is your life and the audience is your life and that's all and that's all you hear in your head. I think that it is a very lonely depressing, sad place to live. And I think a lot of people on reality TV and in the public, I probably live in that space. But I think sometimes the, I, the truth will set you free. And for me, that's what happened. I feel like people know who I am and I'm not, I, I can go through a hard time and I can be honest. And before I always felt like my friends wouldn't want to hang out with me. I, you know, you want to put your best self forward. And I always felt like I was, I was faking half my life and I was like dying inside and on the outside making jokes and being happy and that's a really hard way to live and now I don't feel like I have to do that and that is the most freeing thing I've ever felt in my entire life but isn't the trick you talk about the separation between Mm -hmm. real life and the show the trick is is that people believe they're seeing the real life yes I think you just have to like for me people don't always have to agree with me um, and that's fine but I don't Things don't penetrate me like they used to. Like, do I get hate sometimes on social media? Yes. But again, I focus on the positive. And before, I would have 99 positive comments and two negative, and the negative would be what stuck with my head, not the positive. So for me, it was changing. I think if you change your outlook on life where you look for the positivity, everything else follows suit. And that's what happened for me, and I can only speak for myself. But it's been a very 
freeing experience. Is it hard at times? Yes. Is it frustrating? Yes. Do you have cast members that you'd rather not hang out with? Absolutely. But I only hang out with them if I get paid, and that's how I <laughs> that's how I do it. So. <laughs> but the criticism of you is, is that you're the nice housewife. You that know, you're too nice. Yeah, I get that all the time. But you know, and I will tell people, you know, I and I've told, you know, Bravo, whoever. I always tell them, you, if you want me, you can have me. Not re- my representative. If I'm go out there and I'm fake and I'm not who I really am, the audience is going to read that a mile away. Like if I'm out there screaming, yelling, and flipping tables, it's going to be real awkward because it's very uncomfortable for me. So I, I am who I am, and they can take me for who I am, or they can let me go. But I never, I will never, um, I'll never be somebody I'm not to have a paycheck, because that's just a horrible way to live. And also. I'm not being true to myself and I'm not being, my kids aren't seeing their mother, they're seeing this sad person who's just out there trying to keep her job and I don't wanna be that person. It's somebody, it's not, it will never be worth the money or worth the heartache or I don't wanna lose myself in my job because I think then my family loses me, I lose who I am and I think everybody loses at that point. My guess is is you're somewhere between figuring it all out like she seems to have. Oh, I mean, I still have problems, but I... <laughs> Am I right? No, I um, I definitely, like, I'm, I'm somebody that does not live on social media. Um, I never have. I, um, I'm, I'm still somebody that lives in the moment versus, you know, through social media. And I, and I kind of pride myself on that because I think it's important. And I want to teach my children that as well. Um, but, you know, I think... Um, because you know I'm I'm a little feisty. I've got red hair, um, so I do have a little bit of an explosive personality. But um, I think I what I just recently went through it, it really shook me, and it really I guess I learned something about myself that I just I couldn't admit, you know, and I I didn't realize, um, and that's okay, you know. And people won't really see that, although they can listen to the podcast mm-hmm. for another whole season. So they're going to think you're who you were. You're always sort of living behind the times in terms of the perception out there, right? Right, yeah. Which is the other trick of reality TV. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's delayed a little bit, but yeah, for the most part, it's pretty it's mm-hmm. pretty relevant. But I will also say, like, it's weird, and Travis, my husband and I always talk about it, because whenever the show's airing and people see you every week, they're very invested in your life. And they'll stay invested for like two or three weeks. And whenever the show's on, people come up to you all the time and they recognize you. After a month of the show not being on, I mean, it's weird. People kind of, you don't get approached as much. People don't really message you. You're, I mean, tweet. So everything, it goes from like, you know, you know, 1,000 tweets a day to literally like 15. Because kind of out of sight, out of mind in the public, it's very interesting whenever you live it to, to realize that. So I think whenever the show's on and you're in it, you have to, I think that's when you really have to take care of yourself. Um, because when it's not on, like, I feel like my life is normal right now. And I, you don't feel that for three or four months. You feel like you're on display and um, judged. And I think that's when you have to really take care of yourself. Yeah. I saw you say somewhere that you went to counseling mm-hmm. with your husband mostly because of social media. Um, so we went, so whenever I signed up to do the show, if you look at statistics, a lot of people, especially families in reality TV, do not stay together, marriages. And 
Um, my mom's a therapist, and I have um, a psychology degree, so I've always been very pro-therapy. So Travis and I, before season one, we went to therapy because I feel like it's such a shock to your system, and I think a lot of times life is so busy you're not talking about, like, if he's upset or if he feels neglected or if I am overwhelmed. And I, So for we've always done couples therapy because it works for us um, and it keeps us healthy. And I think a lot of times we both live busy lives. So you don't, I think a lot of times in marriages, you can kind of grow apart if you're not focusing on your relationship. So we still go. Um, And sometimes it is about social media. Um, A lot, but a lot of times it's about our marriage and spending time together and fitting in date nights and the way we parent, but it's a way for us to to connect on a weekly basis where I think a lot of times, especially in a marriage, you, you're you so focused on the children in your life that you kind of forget each other. You grew up in Austin. I did. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love Austin. This is a dramatically different town than when you grew up here. Yes. I Yes, it is. My parents still live here. My brothers live here. So, yeah, we love coming back. So for years, they knew you as a cowboy cheerleader yes (laughs) what part of that prepares you for this you know I have a lot of respect and love for the organization I think that you know what they're doing and what they do is um it's hard work and it's dedication and you know I think that you know I'm sure you know that you know being a part of the organization it's not a full-time job but it's a full-time commitment and you know more than anything I, I would say that you know, being a part of that, I mean, nobody knew who I was as an individual, you know, because it was a team. And I think that going into this, that's the difference that is actually a little bit of the struggle. Is You know, Stephanie and I have this friendship and um, we love and support each other and we want the best for each other. And there are other within the group that are like that but this is such a different thing because where I think like we want it to be like that where it's very cohesive and um but it's not it's 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 like a you know a magnet that just won't come together (laughs) but if it came together that's bad tv that's true like we were all holding hands and you know singing around a campfire that would be real boring to watch I do agree yes yeah I mean is that the knock on this version of the show as opposed to the other cities that there just isn't as much drama? Oh my goodness. I mean, until recently. Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like we've always had drama. Um, You always have people that fight, but our fights were always, I I appreciated our show because our fights were always kind of silly and like funny, even, you know, like it was, you know, you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. and I always kind of liked that because it was a little lighthearted and I felt like people could watch it go to bed without having to watch something funny to make the, you know, to where you can kind of wind down. Um, and I feel like most of us have I don't, I, like personalities to where we feel like we can tell each other how we're feeling. And I think with reality TV, I think you have to be honest with each other. I don't think you have to be nasty. And I think sometimes on other franchises, um, and ours included, it can just get so nasty and dirty to where that's, and I hope that we kind of stay away from that. I hope it can get back to where it's a little, there's still arguments, there's still drama, people are still saying how they feel, but it's it's a, on a lighter note. Because one of you called it the, what, dirtiest season yet. I mean, it was really dark. I, I felt like I was ready for the season to be over with because it was really, really dark. And it's 
you know, even for Leanne, like my heart broke for her. I mean, it was, does she make those decisions? Yes. But at the same time, like it's hard to come back and it's hard, you know, to, to be a part of something that's so heated and so hate filled and people, you know, and I don't think we've ever had that as a group. I know that other franchises have, but it was hard to navigate, even if you aren't in it to the extent that other people were like, you're like, oh my gosh, this is how I'm feeling. I can't imagine how somebody else is feeling. So it's like, I do have empathy for people going through things. I think that to ask somebody to live in their shame for their entire life um, makes us no better than them. So I feel like um, whenever they know what they did was wrong and it's been addressed and the audience has had their input, I think supporting them to change and grow and be a better person is always the better thing to do. Um, because if you shame them to death, then they're never going to get out of that space. And how can somebody grow if they're constantly being reminded of the most horrible time in their life? To get back to that separation between mm -hmm. real life and show, even though the show is real life, is there a way, do you utilize the alter ego theory where you're putting someone else out there because that person then is immune to criticize it's the Beyonce Sasha Fierce she's Sasha Fierce when she's on stage and if they criticize that they're not criticizing yeah. Beyonce yeah, I, I, is there a way to do that within this I'm I think I mean I do think that there probably could be but then I feel like for us I mean we'd we'd be portraying somebody that we're not to the audience and then that wouldn't be good yeah like I <laughs> I put myself out there, but the way that I deal with it is whenever the show's airing, in my heart, I know that they have a glimpse of who I am. They have a, you know, five-minute clip of a, of a, a you know, four-hour scene. So they don't really, I think they may get to know the heart of who you are, but they don't really, they don't know you, like, as deeply as you know each other. And I think if you realize that, that, they have a glimpse in your life, but they're not living your life. And um, I think for me, that kind of helps me realize that, like, again, what my who my close family, friends, yeah. parents, like my children, my children, if I, if my children look at me and they're proud of my husband and my family, that's all that matters to me, to be completely honest. Yeah. And I, I'm, you know, Stephanie is my best friend. She literally is an angel and the sweetest, kindest person. And I... I will get upset for her, <laughs> and <laughs> she really and does. I'm so like, ah, no, how dare you? Um, yeah. So, but that's just the feisty person that I am, you know. And so, um, but yeah, but I can vouch for her that she is. And I, and honestly, I think it's like a little, you know, it's a little bit of jealousy when, you know, when when that comes her way because I'm like, oh yeah, they just. I feel like it's somebody trying to break her and. She's always who she is. Is it a little awkward with the people of Dallas? This show in rel its relationship with Dallas? Yeah. Um, well, I'm in Plano, and Plano is just done. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I will. Okay, so I do have an absolute question. I do have an answer for that because season one, I feel like especially like I did a lot of charity work. I was out in the community. I... Uh, and I really felt like these people are my friends and we're giving back. And then you put yourself on TV and they don't want you, they don't want you to tarnish the city of Dallas. And you feel like the people that you thought were your friends 
Um, some of them wouldn't look you in the eye, and they, you know, talk behind your back, and then, um, and it really hurt my feelings the first season. Like it really, it broke my heart because I, I think I just lived in a place where I was very naive, and I felt like people were, who people showed you was really who they were. And, um, and it broke my heart. But then after it was over and I had time to really reflect, I realized that those people were never my friends to begin with. I lost something I didn't have because true friends are there for you and they love you because they know who you are. And those people honestly just reached out to me with when they wanted to check for the charity they were, you know, cheering. So I, at one time I thought I lost something, but now I realize that you really get to see people for who they are. And I think a lot of times in life you don't. You walk around not really knowing who people are, but when you put yourself out there, people run away from you if they if it's more about their reputation than your friendship. Well, but part of the Dallas society mm-hmm. thing, as I understand it, yes, is while they're doing public acts of philanthropy, uh-huh. they're a closed circle. Yes, and that they're pretty insular. Yes, and this flies in the face of that. Yeah, I mean, I am I'm very vocal on the show. I do not. I mean, maybe I wasn't raised wealthy. I was raised with two parents who, you know, gave me everything they could. But we struggled at times. And I think when you weren't raised in a world where you had everything and you never struggled and you, you never and you were raised within the society, I think it's important to you because it's all you know. And that's you're you were raised with your parents telling you this is important. When you didn't have that and you marry into, um, you know, my husband was successful and. Um, I don't know. I don't. I guess I really don't care about Dallas society because it. Do, I don't feel like it defines me because I was not raised into it, and um, and I just think it's a really snobby way to be. I think whenever you're blessed and you have financial freedom, and a lot of people don't in this world, I like be kind and give back. And I think money shows who you really are. If you're a if you're a nice person and you have money, you can do a lot of really good things with it, and you have a good heart. I think that shines. But I think people who aren't kind and compassionate and who aren't, I think when they have money, it shines. They're just bigger a-holes, um, yeah. <laughs> to be well, completely and fame honest. fame does yes. the same thing. And fame, yeah. exactly. I think you can be a monster if you, if you are, I think it brings out who you are. It brings out either a more beautiful side or it brings out a really ugly side. But I, it's going to come to light. You know, and I... It, it saddens me that people think of Dallas that way because Dallas, in, Dallas Fort Worth is amazing and it has so many different, you know, aspects to it. I mean, and I think it's, uh, I would rather it be remembered for the greatness that it is with the sporting teams and that you can go, you know, a couple miles outside of town and ride horses and it's that's what's crazy to me. And there are so many different organizations that give back and and we have great golf courses for golf tournaments. I mean, it, there's just so many other things to Dallas, and I think it's important for people to know that. And um, and we're just a couple of girls living in Dallas and, you know, occasionally getting judged by people in <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> but in that sense, because you're on Bravo in front yeah. of millions of people, you're these ambassadors but let me for tell a you, city. The people that judge us are also the people auditioning every year. Yes. <laughs> true story. It's very true. You'll hear them talking bad, and then you'll hear that they're trying out for the show. I'm like, what in the world? Make up your mind. Is there a theory that because particularly mm-hmm. you have that reputation as being so nice, that eventually 
they recast you and turn you into what is it a friend it's the friend role I mean, it's I the, would, yeah I, I, I you know i would never be a friend of because i think that you're i mean you're just in a really lose-lose situation because you have you go to the parties you have the you know you have all the drama but you don't have the personal story which i feel is what connects you to the audience so i i mean i've always and I think Brandy knows that I'm being honest. I, when my time is done, I never thought I'd make it four years, and I could be coming up on possibly a fifth year. So um, my prayer, because I'm very religious, is um, like for this show, I want the Lord to use me, and when He's done, I want it to be over with. I don't want to do this show and not and not use it for good or not use it to help people. I that's not the way I want to live. I'd rather, I would rather close the chapter and I mean I have two beautiful boys and spending my life with them is much more important than entertaining people on television. Yeah and I, and that's partly you know why we started the podcast is that we had more people reaching out to us about our friendship and how much they loved our mm-hmm. friendship and how you know we were, we are this person is the Stephanie to me and I'm Brandy and vice versa and um, so this was a way for them to just you know, listen to us on a weekly basis, laugh, and, you know, and then now we're doing this tour for them to have this little experience with us, and we just want it to be, like, you know, just yeah. really personal and and intimate and, and have fun with us, and so, and yeah, I think and I think, that, I think yeah. you get to know, I think with the podcast and the tour, I think we're not edited. We can be who we are. We don't have to talk about the girls and the show that, and it's nice to have the freedom to, to be able to control who you are and not have somebody else do that i mean you've you were talking earlier about mm-hmm. how just when it's not on you can already see yeah the interest in you drop off yeah this is a fleeting kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh absolutely it is yes and on the one hand you say i'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. if this stops on the other hand, you'd be a fool not to strike while the iron's hot. I, yeah, I so do. So how much time yes. do you spend thinking about both those things? You know, I mean, I, you know, we do get paid. Um, I would say a big portion of my check I do have, you know, in accounts that build money for me. I'm very smart with the money that I make. I don't go out and spend everything. Um, and I think Brandy and I are both very lucky that our husbands, we don't need this to live, which is nice to like bills will be paid without it, which is kind of nice. So I do have a freedom of, I think that's also why I do have a freedom to be myself and not worry about getting fired, to be completely (laughs) honest, because I'm not paying, I'm not feeding my children with this money. And I'm not, the lights in my house are not based on my paycheck with the podcast or with the show or anything else. And I think that gives you a lot of freedom to be yourself whenever you're not worried about putting food on the table. And you have to perform and fight and do all this to make sure your kids get fed. I don't have that. And I'm sure some housewives may. Um, but I think that does make a difference. And, you know, in the podcast and stuff, I think it's something you would have after. And then when it does go away, and, it prob- you know, things probably will in life, I think it was fun while it lasted. Yeah. yeah. Is there something you've learned from this uh-huh. that has real world use for people who don't have this experience that they can take to their friendships or to their workplace that you figured out with all these cameras on you oh wow you know um i mean for me i think it's 
you know, in the beginning, my marriage was very rocky in the beginning of um, when we first started this journey. And I think that what I learned was, you know, on the outside looking in um, and being able to watch myself, I wasn't, um, I felt like everything was my husband's fault. And then looking at it, I learned that, you know what, it's it's a two-way street. And I wasn't my husband's biggest cheerleader. I, you know, I, I was a B a lot of the times and I didn't, um, you know, I didn't support him and love him, you know, the way that he deserved and the way I truly should have been. And I think that, you know, that is a gift in itself because to nurture those relationships that, you know, when they do love and support you. And um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest gifts is that if you really sit back and you you listen to yourself, you imagine what you know, each person is going through, then it's, it really is life changing. And not everybody has that camera and, you know, gets, you know, it has that experience to really watch themselves back. And so I think that that's probably been the biggest gift is that I've learned that, you know, that even with our friendship, when we've had rough spots, learning from that, that God, you know, I could have done better. I could have handled myself better. And I think that, you know, it's like, you know, just looking in the mirror. Yeah, I do. I think if you do something like this and you don't, um, use it as a tool to learn and grow. I think you're wasting a really big opportunity. So even for me, I will say in the beginning, I was so terrified of who I was and being myself. And now I'm not at all. I'm proud of who I am, flaws and all. And then um, I kind of learned through it that to have an opinion and maybe to tell people how you feel. I always felt like that was the wrong thing to do because you never rock the boat. And I was always, um, I always sought peace over resolution, which is a very lonely place to live because you're always making other people happy over yourself um, and now I realize that you can be honest and open and tell people how you feel and you don't have to be mean about it and it doesn't make you a bad person it just means that you're being true to yourself and your feelings the next extension of that last question uh-huh. <laughs> is there something you know about reality TV uh-huh. and I spoke with Rachel Lindsay about this last year that gives you some insight into what we're going through as a country right now with a reality TV veteran as the president. Oh, wow. Can you figure out what's in his head because (laughs) you've been through similar... Well, I mean, I don't know what's going on in his head, but... (laughs) I will say that I had someone reach out to me with everything that I've been going through, and she said that she saw a doctor speak a few weeks ago and this doctor had said that you know I'm not going to tell you whether or not I support Trump or not but I will say that I'm so glad that he's in office because since he's been in office I've learned more about people about people's opinions about people that you know uh, from who they are and it and it's really kind of brought out either the good or the best in people and I think that it's kind of the same way with reality TV. It can either be the biggest blessing or it could be your worst enemy. And it's kind of, you know. I do think Trump does not need a Twitter account. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that. Sometimes I'm like, oh no, Uh, oh no, that's not okay. Um, (laughs) This is supposed to be an escape. Yeah, it is. That's what these shows have always been designed to do. Yes. But these are divided times. Mm -hmm. Right. And is that hard to is that oh, a, a line you need to walk? You know, it's a very, uh, I think as a society, it's very divided. Um, I am not a political person at all, and I don't, I, and I definitely feel like I'm a reality TV person, not somebody who should go out there and 
sway people politically because I don't I am not I don't follow it that much and um, I would look like a fool if I did um, if I did try to tell people but um, but living in Texas being from the south I think people assume things and even if you don't talk about things you're constantly being judged because you're from the south and that was that's really weird and I never realized that until I did this show but um, I think we are at a in a very divided country right now and it's just sad because I remember after September 11th feeling like we were so connected as a country and there was so much love for each other and um, and getting on social media not even on mine I see so much hate and um, and people fighting um, and it just and it's usually over politics and it just makes me really sad because um, not even politics I I was I was telling Stephanie last night I'm like oh my gosh there are two fast food places I'm um, having at it on oh Twitter. yeah like oh my gosh she, oh my gosh yes yes I'm I mean like, like I feel sad like, is this I feel like I feel like it's a very it just feels very divided this country does um and maybe we see it more because everybody's so vocal about everything yeah is there yeah. sort of a third rail for you guys meaning I mean you get criticism about uh-huh. your parenting yeah but are the kids off limits? How do you draw those distinctions and lines where I'm okay sharing my life, but not about this? Uh, I am I feel like I'm the worst on our show. Like you don't see my children that much because they don't really love being on camera. And I give them a choice because they're eight and 10 and I feel like it's their life as, you know, like I am their mother, but I'm not gonna control and force them to do something they don't wanna do. So a lot of times when they get home and they're cranky and they've had a bad day, I'm not going to put a camera and a mic on them because then I would set them up for failure. And, um, and you know, I'm obviously, I guess, for sale because they are paying me. My husband's a grown man, so I feel like, you know, we can handle it. But my babies, I, I just want to – I want them to feel protected and I want them to look back and think, okay, I had a choice. Like every year, if and when I get asked back, um, we sat down as a family and discussed, my children included, do you want me to do this? Do you not want me to do this? It's really, you know, universal. You get, like, all these universal kids things you get to take them to. So there are perks that they get off camera that they're just, they think is so cool and um, and they're excited about. But um, I'm sure Brandy would agree I would quit in a heartbeat if my kids didn't want me to do it. Yeah, I agree. Is it weird for them? For the kids, I mean, they stand out in their class. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, right? Yes. I mean, I for my my little ones, they love the camera, and and I'm like, who are you when the cameras come on? Mm-hmm. Because it's you know, um, they're definitely hamming it up, and um, and so, but you know, there have been moments where they've been disappointed in their behaviors when they've you know they've heard, they've seen. I take a little clip, like look what you look at you, you know, um, you know, it's solid her sister that she ate a booger, and you know, like yeah. things like that where you're like. <laughs> But, um, you know, but I agree with Stephanie. I think that it's important that our children feel protected and loved. And so there has to, you know, there has to be boundaries. Yeah. And I, and um, actually our youngest ones now go to school at the same school together, which is really awesome. Um, But I will say both of my children's school, because they're both in private school, are so supportive. Like so, so supportive of me, of Travis, of the kids. And I never feel judged going to that school, to either school. And that makes such a difference as well because... Um, and and I they're so proud. Like I have to be like, you can't tell people you're on camera because they really are like, you know, like they think it's cool that I'm on camera and that I have that job because 
you know, they get to do really fun things. Like, you know, we had like a paint your dog party and it wasn't probably the adult's favorite thing, but the kids, they got to go around and paint and play with each other. And that kind of stuff they think is really cool, you know? So they, I think there are enough good times for the kids to where they enjoy it. But I think there's going to come a point where, you know, mommy's embarrassing and they're going to be like, can we please not do this anymore? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I asked. Does it surprise you you haven't reached that point yet? I, I, yeah, with my oldest, he's 10. I just feel like any day, like any day he's not going to want to hang out with me and he's going to be like, mom, quit. That's embarrassing. Yeah, yes. no, and I, I think there's a clip of Brooklyn. I know there's a clip where I ask her, in my, is mommy embarrassing you? And she goes, no, you just embarrass yourself. So I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> One of the very first things you said earlier mm-hmm was that you didn't know the first season you were actually doing Real Housewives? Yes, that's correct. Did you, you thought it was some other reality show? So they never named it. It was kind of like a no-name show. We knew it was through Bravo. Um, and, and Housewives existed. Housewives existed. But we, I mean, we found out we were Housewives the day before our title shoot, which is where you go and troll and hold a, hold a star. They called and told us, oh, by the way, you're Real Housewives of Dallas. I always felt like it was going to be a show about, like a new show about charity, because all we did season one was talk about charity. Um, And it was so annoying uh, watching it. I'm like, oh my gosh, we were so annoying. Um, But everybody was involved in different organizations. And I think that's kind of how they found us. So I felt like it was going to be just like a new offshoot about charity world. And then surprise. And then surprise, yes. And I think watching season one, you can tell we had no idea what we were. Yeah. But you had agreed to it already, so it was going to happen yeah. one way or another. Yeah, we had already we had already agreed to it. Um, I think we had our most fun season one because yeah. we didn't know what we were doing, we and know, we were yeah. just you we know, were so we naive. We felt like people and... would love us regardless. <laughs> we were so naive. <laughs> Is there something, I mean, particularly now, what a week and a half out of this trip to the wellness center? I mean, do the regrets pile up, or do you just say? That's the past. The difference between learning and regrets, I guess. Yeah. Is that something you have to balance out? You know, I I truly am a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And um, I know who I am. Um, I'm very faith-driven. I feel like, you know, as long as I have a strong support system and I know that, you know, God forgives me, um, you know, I, I don't feel like I have regrets. And... I can't control other people. I can't control their actions, their words. And that is something that I learned, you know, is that as humans, like we literally are able to just by, you know, we can physically feel things, um, but feeling is not just touching. We feel each other's pain. We feel each other's joy. And I think that's important to realize that that is so powerful and that we can take that pain and joy and just by you know, putting something on social media or saying something to somebody, you can literally destroy them if they're not strong and secure in who they are. And um, and so with that, I've learned that and I've learned that, you know, that I can only give somebody that power and control over me. So as long as I am strong with who I am and I know who, who loves me, who supports me, and I've got God in my heart, then, you know, the sky's the limit. And um and I think it's important for everybody to have that and, and know that and learn from it. I suppose we talked about this in the inverse, the people that criticize you online. Mm-hmm. But obviously, there's a whole lot of people that like you. Yeah. yeah. And that you're yes. out. Focus on the positive. <laughs> selling out yeah. theaters just uh-huh. to watch you guys talk. Yeah. So 
I mean, that's why they watch yeah. these shows. That they connect on a level with you that they want to be your friend or think they're your friend or have friendships like your friendship. That part's got to be weird. Um, You know, I would say that part's the blessing for me. Like I would say the biggest blessings are you learn about yourself um, and you really connect with people that you would have never met. And um, I think that connection, I think that support um, is something that I will never take for granted because I know that um, when this is over, um, everything that I have is because of the people that watch this show. And I am very, very aware of that and very, very grateful. And that is honestly one of my favorite things and the biggest blessing is when people come up and they support you and you know you have a show because of them to be able to give them a hug and thank them for watching I I look at that as such a honor yeah and I think it's you know being young I remember you know being such a huge fan of Jessica Simpson because I felt like she was exactly who she is and I'm like man if she knew me we'd be friends and so I feel like okay I, mm-hmm. I get this yes yes we yeah. would be friends yeah. so <laughs> I love it that they want to come see us and support us and feel a part of us yeah final question I think one of you has a pool in the living room. <laughs> oh, I used to. Yes, I used to. Yes, yes. Um, How does that happen? Okay, so we bought the house. Well, actually, my husband and I, you know, my husband kind of bought the house. We kind of looked at it, but not really just, you know, like we're like, yes, we're getting this. And then um, there was a pool in the living room. It's now covered, but um, it took us a year to remodel it because it was very. It's a beautiful home, and I love it, and I can't imagine living anywhere else right now. But there was a point where I couldn't imagine living in that house because there was a pool, and we had two kids and two dogs. Um, but if the pool's in the living room, that's the pool. That's not the living room. Well, or yeah. is the like, pool... It was like, Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it was... I mean, it was, it's How weird. How is it the living room? So you walk into the house. I guess the <laughs> foyer, it was a pool, and then you have, like, living rooms off to the side. So I covered it, and now I just have, like, a big living room space. And I guess if we sold the house one day and somebody wanted to, like, you know, dig up the hardwood floors that we put down, there is still a pool there. Of course, you have to have a structure in there because the top will pop and then you have a whole foundation issue. Um, But, you know, I was like, maybe somebody who wants to, you know, who loves to swim, like an Olympic hopeful, will want to (laughs) (laughs) will buy the house one day and they will want to swim every day, even when it's snowing outside. So we left it there. Um, And I guess you could spend, you know, a lot of money resurrecting the pool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Weekly Dose of BS is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most everywhere else you can get your podcasts. New episodes are available Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central Time. You can find The Real Housewives of Dallas' latest season from Bravo On Demand. Now a special programming note from us here at Texas Monthly. It's here from Imperative Entertainment and Texas Monthly, a new 10-part podcast series called Boomtown about the biggest oil boom in history. Boomtown takes you to rugged corners of West Texas where roughnecks and billionaire wildcatters are fueling a boom so big it's reshaping our climate, our economy, and our geopolitics. You'll get an inside look at the people cashing in and those whose lives are turned upside down. Find weekly episodes of Boomtown wherever you get your podcasts.
Meanwhile, the latest issue of Texas Monthly, featuring the ways big money have affected some small Texas towns, including Marfa, should have just reached your mailbox, and it's available on newsstands now. And you can, of course, read highlights from the issue and find daily coverage of all things Texas at TexasMonthly.com. We'd love it if you consider subscribing to our show, leaving a comment, or rating us wherever you found us, and maybe even telling a friend. I'm Andy Langer, working with producer Brian Standifer. Thanks for being here. And thanks in advance for coming back next week.